Alexa, we are WRKN, Picayune, New Orleans, 1061 Nash Icon. Good evening and welcome to All Access on 1061 FM Nash Icon at NashFM1061.com. Presented by CrescentCitySports.com, the best sports site in Louisiana. All Access is also presented by the Allstate Sugar Bowl, representing the best of amateur athletics, and by Francesca Bicates, serving up St. Louis-style food with a New Orleans flair. All Access is also brought to you by Lamarck Ford and Lamarck Lincoln in Kenner, by Bergeron Automotive in Metairie, by LifeGate Church in Mandeville in Metairie, by Premier Automotive with locations throughout the New Orleans area, Segnet Landing Restaurant and Swamp Tours in West Wego, Petri Transport Services, John Curtis Christian School in River Ridge, by Life Resources Ministries with outreaches throughout the New Orleans area, and by the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. It's your chance to talk sports in substantive fashion with informed guests. To join in the conversation, call 504 260 1061. Now, here's your host, Cumulus New Orleans Sports Director Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com, the Saints Hall of Fame Museum, the Greater New Orleans Quarterback Club, Life Resources Ministries, and Delgado Baseball. That's a good evening and welcome to another edition of All Access here on Nash Icon 1061 FM and at NashFM1061.com. Our tune-in app is available for you anywhere in the world via iHeart to listen at home. You can get us via Alexa. Just tell her to play WRKN. Our podcast is available at CrescentCitySports.com. On the left column, just click on Podcast to access it. You can always email me, Ken at CrescentCitySports.com. Or call the show at 504-260-1061. That's 504-260-1061. National Championship game tonight. We'll talk about that a little later, briefly. And also the Pelicans later on in the show, briefly. The topic of conversation, unquestionably, here is the New Orleans Saints today. And I'll have my reaction, which I wrote about at CrescentCitySports.com, coming up shortly to what transpired yesterday in the Caesar Superdome. It's a shame that the conversation is about what happened on the last play rather than about the Saints playing their best game and looking really good offensively. But that's what the conversation's about because of what transpired. With that in mind, let's first get the follow-up today from Dennis Allen to what transpired yesterday. Of course, yesterday, set the scene briefly, Saints line up in victory formation at the one-yard line, final play of the game, insert Jameis Winston into the game at quarterback for one play, instruct him to take a knee, line up in victory formation, and instead hands the ball off to Jamal Williams, and he scores a touchdown, much to the delight of most of the players, much to the chagrin of Dennis Allen and to the chagrin of Arthur Smith, who summarily was fired by the Falcons upon returning home, and he went into a tirade against Dennis Allen about running up the score. Dennis Allen immediately apologized, saying that's not who we are. That's not what we're about. Basically, telling him it wasn't him that ordered it. So we'll get into the semantics of that shortly, but that's what happened yesterday. Today... Coach Allen had his year-end press conference. And on the follow-up as to what transpired on the final play of the game yesterday, here's what Allen had to say today. Well, I think I've, I think I've addressed that situation plenty. Um, 
What I will say is this. I'll say that those players went out and played their tail off in the last five games of the season. Um, and I've been on teams where that doesn't happen. Um, and so, uh, no, I don't believe there's any fracture. More on that coming up. As for the summation of the season, let's listen now to Dennis Allen's thoughts about the 2023 New Orleans Saints season. All right, do we have that queued up? We'll try. Okay, well, well, maybe we won't hear that. So it's there, but anyway, life goes on. Bottom line is, Dennis Allen said that it was disappointing and it's not good enough. And he mentioned the last three years. Of course, two of those were very clearly his teams. The third was Sean Payton. Sean Payton went nine and eight in his last year here. And Dennis Allen has gone seven and 10. And of course, nine and eight this season. And he said it's not good enough. He also said he expects to be back as head coach. He also said he expects Mickey Loomis to have some thoughts for him about how he can be better as a head coach. Didn't talk about changes that will be made, but you can rest assured that changes are going to be made. So that's what transpired today, basically, with the press conference that Dennis Allen had to address the media. So let's move on. Reaction from all over the country, blasting Dennis Allen, blasting Jameis Winston, blasting the coach, blasting the players, depends on which side you're on. So we'll give it to you in full in terms of both sides here this evening. On first take, we get the thoughts of an NFL or a Pro Football Hall of Fame player in Shannon Sharp, who was visiting with Stephen A. Smith on that show. First Sharp speaks, then you'll hear Smith at the end. So let's go ahead and listen to what Shannon Sharps had to say about what transpired on the final play of the game yesterday. How does this make the Saints look? Bad. Very. Makes, de makes, de makes Dennis Allen look like he's lost control of that locker room. But I'll say this. I would cut Jameis Winston today. I would not want him on my team. That's loser's mentality. And people will say, well, Shannon, what about when Dan Marino fake spiked the ball or Peyton Manning? They were not in victory formation. If you get down, the defense is conceding. If you want to run the ball, let the defense line up. Don't you fool them, think this a victory formation, and then drive off the ball. You mean to tell me that's going rogue? Dennis Allen's going to probably have to go because his players have no respect for him. Right. He said they sent victory formation in, but we, that's right, we made a decision. I'm sorry, Molly. I would okay. cut Jameis Winston today. I would, if I'd have been on that team, let me tell you what, I'd have jumped off sides on purpose. Mm. There's a mentality that you got to have if you want to play winning football. Jameis Winston has a loser's mentality. That's why they didn't win in Tampa. That's why T uh, uh, Tom Brady came there, took the same team, and went to the Super Bowl. Look at what Baker Mayfield did with basically the same team, got him in the playoffs, something that Jameis Winston couldn't Shannon, do. Let me do me a favor. Say that one more time on camera, what you would do. I would cut him. I would cut Jameis Winston today. And, and let me tell you something. I wanted Shannon to go first on this. 
because he's the one that played. I completely agree with you, 1,000%. Dennis Allen has to go. They clearly have no respect. None. What do you mean? Let's, let's put this in this proper perspective. The coach sent in the play. Yeah. We, the players, ignored him. Yes. Yeah. Then go on camera to the media and, yeah. and said, not only did we ignore the coach and did this, right, because we wanted Williams to get a touchdown because he hadn't had one all season right. long, you understand? Know, which is pathetic in and of itself. You're up 41 to 17. It's, less, it's a minute left in the game. It's over. Okay, you take a knee, game is over. And not, not the starting quarter, the reserve quarterback yes. said, we ignored the coach and we decided, and then I went and I told the coach, this is why I, I respect you, coach, yeah. but this is why we ignored you. Shannon is absolutely right. There were the thoughts of Shannon Sharp, Pro Football Hall of Famer, and Stephen A. Smith. We're going to get some thoughts from Scott Shanley, Super Bowl champion for the New Orleans Saints, coming up in the next segment. As for my thoughts, and I wrote this at Crescent City Sports today, and you can read it there. In any business, there is a chain of command. And in that chain of command, orders and edicts are issued and compliance is expected, anticipated, and in most situations, it's mandatory. Failing to follow the rules typically results in failure to maintain your job. Clearly, that is the case with people I have worked for, and I fully understand that. There are people that work for me now, and I'm sure they fully understand it. There was a clear desire of players to get a fellow unselfish teammate a first touchdown of the season Sunday. Jamal Williams led the NFL in touchdowns a year ago with 17 with the Lions, who did not retain him, by the way. Williams did not score a touchdown in a vastly underwhelming, disappointing season with the Saints, but was always there to answer the call regardless of what he was asked to do for his team. And that earned the immense respect of his teammates, and that is understandable. It is also understandable that the opponent was the most heated rival of the Saints, one whom you enjoy beating most. It is incumbent upon the opponent to stop its rival. The game is 60 minutes long. It is not over until the final second ticks off. There is validity to playing to the whistle, playing to the very last second as hard as possible. You're expected to do that. It has clearly been a tough, long season for Arthur Smith, whose job was clearly in jeopardy, so you can understand his emotions afterwards. To some... It may seem like whining. Rather than blowing up at Dennis Allen and with the media afterwards, Smith could have kept his simmering anger inside and be willing to take it out on the next season. Of course, he's not going to get that opportunity now after he was summarily dismissed from his job upon returning to Atlanta Sunday evening. Perhaps Smith sensed the inevitable and could not restrain himself from venting. The rivalry between the Saints and the Falcons burns hot. Two southern cities, often red hot, very competitive, since the Saints entered the NFL in 1967, which was one year after the Falcons entered the league. Atlanta has displayed a lack of class by not posting the Saints' name on its scoreboard at games, a fact that the NFL should step in and correct. It's ridiculous. The Saints, of course, regularly dig at the Falcons for blowing the 28-3 lead against the Patriots in the Super Bowl with New England winning 34-28. The 1973 season is a case study. John North made his debut as head coach of the Saints. Should have been a glorious day for a coach coaching his first game, but it was anything but. It was a disaster. The Falcons demolished the Saints 62-7 as Atlanta head coach Norm Van Brocklin gleefully enjoyed running up the score on a day where Atlanta intercepted Archie Manning five times. Leaning 45-7 to 
Atlanta and Van Brocklin had Nick Mickemeyer kick a 45-yard field goal in the fourth quarter. Then, reserve quarterback Bob Lee threw an eight-yard touchdown pass to LSU's Eddie Ray to make it 55-7 before a one-yard rushing touchdown by Ray accounted for the final score. The Falcons kept trying to score. And there were no apologies. North, a class act, handled the beating and clear running up of the score with class and dignity, and he moved on. At one point, the Saints won four or five games after starting 0-3, and, and they finished 5-9, and nine, losing the season finale in narrow fashion, 14-10 at Atlanta in the rematch. Quite closer, don't you think? Dennis Allen apologized to Arthur Smith and the Falcons after the game yesterday. That came after Smith refused to shake Allen's hand and spewed unpleasantries in the process of engaging Allen. Many questions arise. Listen closely. Was Allen appropriate in apologizing? Should Allen have spoken about it, or would he have been better served to have remained silent on it while addressing it privately with his players? Was Smith appropriate in refusing to shake hands and publicly whining about what happened? Were the Saints players appropriate in ignoring the clear desire of their head coach? Should Terran Matthew have simply kneeled after his interception of Logan Woodside with 128 to play in the game? Why was Derek Carr still in the game and getting sacked trying to throw the ball, risking injury with 3.02 to play in a 41-17 game when the Falcons had already conceded in replacing Desmond Ritter with Woodside? Why was Carr throwing the ball? Why put Jameis Winston in the game for one final play to take a knee? Why was Atlanta throwing the ball in the first place with the outcome decided with 1.28 to play in the game rather than running the clock out? Yes, the Falcons were still trying to score by throwing the football. The Saints tried to score in deceiving fashion out of victory formation. You should never have to apologize for playing 60 minutes and winning, doing your job to the best of your ability, particularly against your most hated opponent. It is the job of the Falcons to play to the end and to stop the Saints. That said, anyone who knows Dennis Allen knows he is a truly nice person and a man of character. Allen respects the game and respects his peers. He simply did not want to kick an opponent when it was clearly down and thoroughly beaten. Of course, Allen expects to return as head coach of the Saints, though many fans feel otherwise about that probability. There can now be cause for pause with Gail Benson and Mickey Loomis about whether to continue with Allen, given the player many rebellion against the coach. In likely returning, Allen knows he will see the Falcons at least twice next season. Perhaps the tirade after the game was the final nail on the coffin of Smith for Atlanta with owner Arthur Blank. Perhaps the die had already been cast, given the disappointing season and disappointing three-year reign of Smith, who failed to post a winning season and whose teams never won more than two games in a row. While Smith will not return to coach against the Saints next season, many or most of the Atlanta players who played Sunday will be on hand. Just as tempers can be short, memories are long in the NFL. Allen gave his orders. Winston was in a quarterback to take the final snap. The quarterback can run or kill any call at any time. He chose to kill the call of his coach in unison with his offensive teammates. He talked about it afterwards, said he apologized to Dennis Allen, but explained that it was a team decision to let Williams score his first touchdown. To illustrate that it was not just Winston's decision, several other players, including Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, Cam Jordan, Alvin Kamara and Jimmy Graham expressed their support of what happened. Ditto for Jonathan Abrams on the defensive side of the football. And it's understandable that players 
feel that way about Williams. A choice was made for a specific player whom the other players obviously admire. To put the record straight, in 13 games for the Saints this year, Williams rushed 106 times for 306 yards and the touchdown, averaging 2.9 yards per carry. He caught 18 passes for 62 yards, averaging 3.4 yards per catch. Williams came to New Orleans off of a 2022 season with Detroit, where he rushed 262 times for 1,066 yards and 17 touchdowns, averaging 4.1 yards per carry while catching 12 passes for 73 yards, averaging 6.1 yards per catch. For the season, on carries inside the opponent's 10-yard line, Williams gained 14 yards on seven rushes with the touchdown. Alvin Kamara rushed for five touchdowns. This past season, Taysom Hill had four rushing touchdowns. Tony Jones with the team while Kamara was suspended and with Williams hurt, rushed for two scores. Then again, what about trying to get Graham a touchdown? And what was likely his final game on his final play? Graham is a significant part of team history with his brilliance wearing the black and gold and a fan favorite. Apparently, some thought was given to that. The inference that Williams is selfless and works very hard is admirable and appreciated, though it is certain that those qualities are also embodied by several other players on the offense and the Saints team. It is understandable that Allen did not want to rub salt in the wound to poke the bear, so to speak. While it is not necessarily true that nice guys finish last, nice guys are appreciated and admired. Everyone around the league was happy to see Andy Reid win two Super Bowls, a coach widely respected as a true nice guy. While that is true, it is also true that you have to have a killer mentality, a willingness to do whatever necessary to go for the jugular when the opportunity presents itself. Sean Payton certainly possesses that and has displayed it in his long tenure previously with the Saints. On many occasions, Payton continued to score or tried to score with an insurmountable lead while coaching New Orleans. On the final play Sunday, Saints players expressed their feelings in the most demonstrative way. The salt was rubbed in the wound and they left the Falcons feeling raw. The first meeting next season between the two teams will be something to see, with raw emotions expected to flow freely. The facts speak to players not respecting their coach enough. The facts speak to the coach possibly not having control over his team. Does anyone think this would have happened with Peyton? If so, how would he have reacted? Does anyone think Peyton would have apologized? Yes, Peyton's shadow still looms over the franchise he built into a winner. Peyton returns to New Orleans next year to coach against the Saints. That will be a circus-like atmosphere. That is not who we are. That is not how we operate. That's what Allen said afterwards. That is who his players were, whether you agree or disagree, whether Allen agrees or disagrees. This was clear insubordination. The players threw Allen under the bus with their disobedience. Allen threw the players under the bus with his words afterwards. The players could have obeyed Allen rather than using their own judgment behind his back. Allen could have taken responsibility for the touchdown, protecting his players, having their back. Allen cannot find, suspend, or cut every offensive player for the offense. It is widely expected that Winston will not be here next season, and perhaps he knows that too. Perhaps Allen will handle the aftermath in quiet fashion behind closed doors. He took steps toward that today. That is the most likely scenario. That is what should have happened in the first place. At his year-end meeting with the media today, you heard the comments of Allen, and you can go from there. The doors may be closed, but the dialogue will be contentious with the can of worms that's been opened. 
The first sign of impending failure is when a coach loses control of his team. Peyton, Saints players, ownership, front office, they all wanted Allen to be the head coach of the Saints. That appears to remain true despite a 9-8 season against a very weak schedule in a bad division. Yes, nine wins is an improvement over the seven, but it's not enough and not the expectation, as Allen stated. Now we can only hope that the clear division between coaches and players is resolved and unity prevails. A house divided will not succeed. There is certainly time for that to occur since the Saints are home for the third straight postseason. Perhaps we should take a knee in prayer that this will be the case. Scott Shanley will join me next with his thoughts as we continue. It's 504-260-1061 to join in the conversation. Ken Trahan, all access. Your thoughts welcome here on Nash Icon 1061 FM and at NashFM1061.com. Hey, this is Tim Duncan, Vice President of Athletics at your New Orleans Privateers. Join me every Tuesday at 3 p.m. for the Nolas Team Radio Show. We'll discuss the latest in privateer sports with our coaches, student-athletes, and some of our most famous alum. Join us on 1061 Nash Icon, your privateer sports network. And remember, Nolas Team, we are your crew. Let's go, privateers. My daughter is normally a little goofball. But after a bad night's sleep, she's too tired to be anything. That's why I trust Pure Z's Kids. Pure Z's Kids is mindfully formulated just for kids. Their non-habit-forming, drug-free products help my daughter fall asleep naturally, giving her the rest to be her best. I'm a dinosaur. Her best dinosaur. Pure Z's Kids. For ages four and up when needed. Explore our products at ZQuil.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Strap in for some full-throttle fierceness. A new season of RuPaul's Drag Race on MTV is speeding your way, and Philo is the most affordable way to watch. We've got 70-plus channels of live and on-demand TV for just $25 a month. Get top channels like MTV, VH1, AMC, Discovery, Nickelodeon, and more, plus unlimited DVR so you can save all your faves. So get ready, set, slay, and watch the new season of RuPaul's Drag Race on MTV with Philo today. Visit philo.tv to get started. That's philo.tv. Hey, this is Lisa Stofan. Heard the Mark Patrick weight loss hypnosis hype? Well, I attended because my father stopped smoking with hypnosis. Hypnosis eliminated my desire for soda and fast food, made me want to exercise, and I lost 60 pounds in six months. My energy level exploded. I went to another session to deal with some other problem foods, and I lost another 10 pounds. In fact, I brought my husband, and he lost weight, and his cholesterol and blood pressure improved. My friend lost 20 pounds her first two months. Oh my, what are you waiting for? Join Mark Patrick's seminars and lose the weight or stop smoking guaranteed. Early bird special only $49.99. Hypnosis designed to destroy unwanted cravings, late day eating binges, boredom eating, and stress eating. That's right, seminars Sunday, January 7th at the Holiday Inn Covington in Covington. Weight loss seminar 11 a.m. Stop smoking seminar 2 p.m. And Monday, January 8th at the Holiday Inn New Orleans Airport North and IHG Hotel in Kenner. Weight Loss Seminar, 5.30 p.m. Stop Smoking Seminar, 8 p.m. Register MarkPatrickSeminars.com. When the final horn blows at the Allstate Sugar Bowl, the action is just beginning as another jam-packed year of Sugar Bowl activity lies just ahead. With over 55 annual events, including all Louisiana High School State Championships, the Sugar Bowl support of amateur athletics adds up to big fun and big dollars for our economy. From the Crescent City Classic to lacrosse, sailing, basketball, and more, the Sugar Bowl has something for most everyone. For more on the great things the Sugar Bowl is doing, log on to AllstateSugarBowl.org. Sponsored by Allstate, Taco Bell, and Dr. Pepper. What's holding you back from learning the language you've always wanted to know? Too hard. 
takes too long. Not with Babbel. Babbel's lessons take just 15 minutes a day. 15 minutes isn't long. Nope, and they're fun. So you don't realize you're learning a language, but you are. In three weeks, you're able to start having conversations. And Babbel's lessons are built around real life. And with Babbel, it isn't hard. It's, it's perfect. perfect. Start learning a new language today. Go to Babbel.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. You still thinking job change in the new year? Yeah, I need something that's in high demand and more stable in this economy. IT? Yeah, cybersecurity, maybe even AI. That's what I did. Really? How? Went to My Computer Career. You don't need any prior experience, and you could start your new career in a matter of months. A lot of IT pros go to school there, too, to level up. Sweet. Are classes online or on campus? Both. Wow, I'll check it out. Thanks. Make this your year. Take the free career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Financial aid is available for qualified students, including the GI Bill. This report is sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits, and one of the country's top workplaces? Join the growing team at Progressive Insurance. Go to Progressive.com careers and apply online today. All right, reopened is the Causeway Bridge southbound. It's 24 minutes right now. Uh, just be aware, uh, severe weather closing the Causeway Bridge has cleared at this time, so the bridge has reopened. That's good news. Crescent City Connection is uh, running pretty good right now. Uh, across the way, we are uh, seeing uh, just an accident earlier cleared, though, Eastbound 610 between Canal and St. Bernard. Uh, no big delays across that area. New Orleans Funeral and Cremation Service Traffic Center. Calling all listeners, what's on your mind? We'd love to get your take by calling Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com and All Access on 1061 Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. Call 504-260-1061. You've heard Dennis Allen's comments, his post season comments at his year-end press conference today. Uh, it is uh, very apparent he will be back as head coach of the Saints and talked about what needs to improve and expressed his disappointment in the outcome of this past season and the season before that. And, of course, uh, did uh, basically try to walk away from what transpired yesterday at the end of the game and just said that he admires his players and they played hard and, and that he's addressed it. And, no, he doesn't think there's, uh, there's any uh, lingering issue there or any fracture, quote-unquote, that – has taken place between players and coaches. A player that knows a lot about locker room feelings and about longevity and about stability and relationships and about winning more than anything else because he was a big winner with the New Orleans Saints. Does a great job as an analyst now. Joining us, Scott Shanley, former outstanding linebacker of the Saints for seven seasons and a Super Bowl champion. Scott, always a pleasure. Happy New Year to you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. Listen, now you know what it's all about to be part of a winner. You know what a winning locker room looks like, feels like, smells like. Does this look like one or smell like one to you? Well, I think there's obviously lots of things that you can you can point to. Um, I think anytime you don't win enough, you can find segmented segmented pieces all over a locker room. Um, I, I wish yesterday's game probably wouldn't have ended that way because I think it was a high note. It was probably the highest note of the year, beating down Atlanta. And then the last play of the season, the controversy with with a with a backup quarterback audibling and checking to get a guy a touchdown, and then now now the head coach doesn't have control of the team. So I, I hated that it ended that way because it was it was the best game of the year. Um, but no, I I, I kind of push back when people say that that Dennis has lost the team based on that alone because I think I played for coaches and 
and there were tons of times this this year that a team could have could have thrown the towel. They could have said no. I look back at Detroit down twenty one nothing against a good team. That team fought back and and probably could have could have pushed. Detroit or should have beat Detroit had they not gotten down so early. There were so many moments this year where this team showed so much fight, and you don't fight like that if you don't believe in what you're being coached and if you don't believe in the people standing in front of you. So I think this team does does still believe in their coaches. I mean, there's tons of coaches on the staff who who know what it takes to, to win a Super Bowl. So I know it wasn't the year we all hoped for, but I still think the right people are in place. That's a very good point. And they won four of their last five games and played their best football at the end of the season, which I think shows that they were getting better. There was progress, and it certainly wasn't people quitting on a coach or coaching staff by any measure. Look, we all know Dennis Allen very well. And even though we do what we do for a living in, in being journalists, we, we want him to win for several reasons, not the least of which is, you know, we're, we're New Orleanians. We, this is our team. This is our town. But also because Dennis Allen is a genuinely nice person. He's a good guy. And he's paid his dues, and we all want him to win. He's not proven himself to be a successful head coach yet. It looks like he'll get another chance, and he's a guy you want to see succeed, and yet he's, he's fighting an uphill battle with the fan base here. And then, of course, uh, with what transpired yesterday, the, uh, that's all the talk is about. And you're right. It, it just upstaged what was a tremendous second half and easily the best offensive performance of the year, and that should have been the discussion and instead, it goes the other way. Yeah, it, it, it's disappointing. It's frustrating. And I, I get it. I think I think um, a lot of different things. I, I get the player's side of it. I truly do. You have a, a teammate that you love that has poured a lot into you, your team and been the ultimate teammate, and you want to reward him. Um, at the same time, it, you probably shouldn't go against what the coach's wishes are. And then I go to Dennis. I, I don't know if I would have gotten a post-game interview and, and said outright, hey, they, they went against what I wanted. I think I would have just probably said that wasn't the play called and say it was unfortunate and just move on. But I think a lot of why Dennis did that in the postgame was because the coaches' fraternity is a real thing. All the coaches, it's a tight-knit fraternity, just like players. Players don't want to injure each other, this and that. But I think Arthur Smith's reaction at the end of the game, Dennis didn't like that, and so he probably had to say exactly what happened. Um, it, it was just unfortunate because you said it, I said it, it's, it was it was the high point of the year. I mean, man, anytime you beat the Falcons 48-17, it, it's a great feeling. Going into the offseason, your quarterback who um, – oh, this is me with, with Derek. Like, if you're going to criticize him, you better praise him. And I think the last month of the season, the last five weeks of the season, he was the highest-rated quarterback in the league with the best completion percentage in the league. And I think when you saw Derek get healthy and the offensive line protect him, I, I, I'm excited because the future stars of this team, the young guns, uh, the Shahids, the Juwan Johnsons, the Pete Warners, the Alante Taylors, those guys played their best football game these last four weeks. And I think that's encouraging going to the offseason. Your quarterback's playing well. Your, your young stars played their best football. Um, I'm encouraged for 2024. Yeah, I think there's, there's upside to be had. There's some aging, too, that, and they're going to have to replace some players and make some contract decisions that, as always, are going to be difficult with some veteran players. And I do agree with what you said. I think my take on it was that uh, it was three wrongs. It was wrong, uh, you know, for the players to do what they did. It was wrong for Arthur Smith to do what he did. And it was wrong for Dennis to speak about it right away afterwards. And I think yeah. those things are best handled privately. And you know that, having played yeah. the game. And, 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 and everybody wants to contrast that with what would Sean Payton do, right? So, number one, 
Sean Payton, Sean Payton wouldn't think twice about scoring again and continuing to score. He did it over and over again against opponents and not could cite specific examples. And, and, but nobody got in his face after a game when those things transpired. Uh, number two, you know, what would, would players have defied Payton? <laughs> number three, had they defied Payton, what would Payton have done? So it, it's always going to be under that measure because that shadow still is a long one. It's still cast over this organization, isn't it? There's, there's no doubt about it. Sean Payton cast a shadow, and, and what he did starting in 2006, and obviously all the success and winning a Super Bowl. And then I think towards the end of Sean's career, um, with all those wins comes a little bit more moxie. And I think Sean, everybody remembers against Atlanta, doing the choke signal to Devontae Freeman. And fans love that. Players love that. And I think in Dennis's position, Dennis feels like I have to win more before I can do those types of things. And, and it's, a, it's a humbleness to, to Dennis that I think as players we all respect. But if he would have came out there in I-formation or the Taysom package and ran the ball, I think everybody would have loved it. Because as a coach, you have to understand, this is, this is Saints versus Falcons. They're, they're, we don't need to, to save any more points. We need to po- score some more points. You could heard, hear the crowd. like I was standing down there, and they run out in victory formation, and you see Taysom line up deep, and you hear the crowd kind of moan like, no, this is Atlanta. Let's score. And then they cheer, uh, didn't quite know that, that, that Jameis uh, audible, but it was, it's just one of those things I think as a head coach, sometimes it's okay to maybe not do the sportsmanship in a rivalry game, and you can kind of explain it away. Um, that's always easier said than done. These are, these are your peers. These are people you have to see in the offseason. I just, when it's Saints Atlanta, all bets are off. Yeah, listen, I, I, again, I, I completely factored that in too. And look, I mean, the class – uh, that is exhibited by a coach is understandable and respected. And yet when you think about the Falcons in recent years, Scott, maybe not when you went to Atlanta and played in the Georgia Dome. Now they play in Mercedes-Benz Stadium there. When you go there now and the Saints play there now, on the scoreboard, they don't even put the Saints name on the scoreboard. It's visitor, which is, <laughs> which is it's funny, but it's really not. It's asinine. And it's a dig. Yeah. And it's beyond a dig. And the NFL should intercede in that. That should not happen, okay? But it just shows a lack of class on their part. And with all due respect, that trickles all the way up to the top to Arthur Blank, just as whatever good or bad happens with the Saints trickles all the way up to Gail Benson. I mean, that's ridiculous that you don't even put the opponent's name on the scoreboard. And it shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, I I agree. I think there's there's just certain things that – you know, we, we kind of laugh and joke, but it's almost like, you know, it's social media, the, both social media teams of the Saints and the Falcons have fun with each other back and forth. And those are the types of things you do in that medium where you say visitor. But I think when it comes to actually hosting a game and having the crowd there, and now you're representing the NFL and the Shield, I, I think I think that's a little too far. But like I say, when you're, when you're just bantering and it's social media accounts kind of going against each other for the organization, it's, it's all fun and games. But I agree with you. There's... There's a there's something about it that when you go to a stadium, putting up visitors, it's kind of that's that's I don't even know if you'd see that in a high school level. It's kind of classless. Visiting with Scott Shanley, I'm talking about the Saints. I mean, there were so many questions coming out of what transpired yesterday. It was Dennis appropriate in apologizing? Should he have spoken about it, or have been better served to keep it silent and address it privately? You know, and was Smith appropriate in refusing to shake hands and whining about it, and then? 
uttering uh, some epithets to Coach Allen. Were the players appropriate in their desire uh, to not listen to their head coach? How about Teran Matthews? Should he have simply kneeled after the interception with 128 to play in the game? And oh, by the way, why was Derek Carr still in the game and getting sacked with 302 to play and risking injury? Why were you trying to throw the ball there anyway? Aside from Derek still being in the game. That said, he was still in the game. So why put Jameis Winston in to take a knee on the final play of the game? I just think there's a lot of questions. Plus, Atlanta was still trying to throw the ball with 128 left to play in the game. There's a lot of questions there that led up to this, aren't there? Yeah, I think so. And and one of the things I loved was Osa Yuminora, who was a heck of a defensive end in the league for a long time with the Giants. He ended up finishing his career with the Falcons. And he, he tweeted out today his interception, his pick six against the Saints, where he returned it and the game was over and, and Atlanta was winning by a lot. And he said, hey, this is a rivalry game. Uh, I, you know, against most teams, maybe I fall down and take a knee, but it was Falcons versus Saints. I was going to score a touchdown. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's just factored in. It, it, it's, it's the final game of the year. It's your rival. The league says we're going to put your rival game at the end of the year because we want teams to be interested. Because if the Saints and the Falcons were both – Six and ten, there's still going to be eyeballs on that game between the two cities, and that's why the league sets up that schedule that way. So, um, lots of different factors, but at the end of the day, it's uh, there's nothing like rivalry games and and seeing cities that don't like each other, fans that don't like each other, and um, kind of some of the sportsmanship goes out of it a little bit. Let's talk about the current Saints for a few minutes before we let you get away. You talked about some of the players earlier, but moving forward, it all starts at quarterback. You've got Derek Carr under contract. You know, this was the first of a four-year deal, and we all know the money, and that's what he's had to live down all year with the fan base. Um, not all, but some who have been very critical and harsh in their evaluation. Uh, at the end of the season, you look at his numbers, and they're actually pretty impressive. At the end of the season, you look at the way he played from the beginning of December on, 15 touchdowns, three interceptions, 70-plus completion percentage. That's not too shabby. At the end of the season, they were scoring points and playing their yep. best football. So... He's your quarterback moving forward. There's no question about that. Is that a good starting point in your mind? Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to go back to, to last spring, and I was excited about the signing of Derek Carr. I know he, he didn't have playoff success with the Raiders, but when you looked at his numbers and you looked at his fit into the West Coast offense and his success under Don Gruden, I really felt like he was going to fit into this offense really well. I, I think a few things happened. Early in the season, you were trying to find out what this team did well, working on timing and chemistry in the offense. Pete Carmichael had to find out what they did well. Then they had injuries in the offensive line and just injuries in general. Derek himself got banged up. But I think you saw the last five weeks of the season when he's healthy, what he can be and what this offense can be. And hopefully that timing and that chemistry reemerges when you pick back up in 2024 because you never know. It's just it's different worlds. It's different teams. But I think, I think when Derek Carr is playing well, he, he's a top 10 quarterback. That's the way he looked at the end of the year. Heck, I, you know, he's a top rated quarterback in the league last five games of the year and threw tons of touchdowns and played his best football. The thing that Derek has to do is Derek has to do those things against good teams. When the games matter most, he has to play his best football. I think that's what frustrates Saints fans a little bit is when the games matter most or is against a really good team or a team with a winning record, he didn't play like that. But at the same time, he had a shoulder injury most of the year. We had some concussion issues, and I I prefer to go into the offseason thinking the Derek Carr we're going to get in 2024 is the Derek Carr we saw the last five games of the year, just to provide some optimism. But at the same time, if there's a great 
really good young quarterback there. Do I think we need to draft somebody for the future? Absolutely, because it's just the name of the game. You always have to have a quarterback. You always have to make sure you're you're set at that position. And uh, you know, like I said, I just hope we get this same Derek Carr these last five weeks. We get those the first five weeks. Because listen, the 2024 schedule, if anybody's looked at it already, we're going to face some good quarterbacks. I mean, the defense is going to be tested next year. You got Herbert, you got Mahomes, you got you got a lot of really good quarterbacks that you didn't necessarily face this year. So next year is going to be a tough year for the defense more than the offense, I think. Very much so. Much tougher schedule. You mentioned Olave and Shahid, of course, Jawan Johnson healthy. We see what he can do. He was really good in the last month of the season. That's what we thought we'd see, but he was hurt early in the season. Taysom Hill hasn't lost a step. He's still a good player. And then, of course, you you flip it to the other side of the ball, and you mentioned a few of the guys. I think Brian Brzee is going to be a good player. I like him. Uh, Demario Davis didn't didn't lose a step at his age, rated second by Pro Football Focus at his position, and yet he doesn't make the Pro Bowl. Pete Warner's a solid player. The young cornerbacks, Adebo and Taylor, are pretty good players. Yadam had a pretty decent season. Uh, obviously, Shahid's a great return guy. So there are some pieces in place. They're not good enough yet to be a title contender. Maybe one good draft could put them in that position, but they're in the worst place right now, which is in the middle. <laughs> That's not where you get well through the draft, and it's also not you know, where you win big. So uh, they've got to break out some kind of way, and frankly, I think it has to be through the draft and rookie contracts and maybe keep some of those draft picks. You're exactly right. That's how you build. That's how you build championship teams. You have to draft well. We all saw what the 2006 class meant to building, winning a world championship. We all saw what the 2017 draft class did for for a number of years. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with a lot of those guys because the NFL moves really fast. It doesn't seem like 2017 was that long ago, but um, you have to draft well. And, and I don't know if we've drafted well enough since that 2017 draft class. I think we only have about seven starters out of all the drafts combined since then that's mm-hmm. that's not good enough we had a lot of those guys injured but uh that that's definitely how you build championships you have to have depth there's going to be injuries throughout an nfl season and there's going to be some positions i i think i think uh when you look at the offense side shahid is pro bowl emerging star alave same way Jawan johnson became at the end of the season what we all expected him to be earlier in the year and getting those targets and making plays against the buccaneers i think kendra miller really had an outstanding game. We haven't I seen agree. him much I this agree. year. And, yep. and a back that size, when he put his foot in the ground and his explosiveness, mm. it wowed yep. me. It was great to see. It really was. Uh, that's encouraging. Absolutely encouraging. Uh, yeah, but defensively, defensively, DeMario Davis was, was unreal. It, eventually, you think Father Time's going to catch everybody, and yet DeMario just keeps on every single week making plays. Uh, yes, is Father Time going to eventually catch 56? Absolutely. Everybody gets caught, but if he can just lose a step, he's still an outstanding player. Defensively, you have to draft some more guys. I think you need to get um, another pass rusher, maybe another linebacker. You can never have too many guys in the secondary. Tyran played really well this year, had four interceptions, but he's in, he's getting a little older. You got to get some more youth in the safety position. Um, but so you you can never have enough guys in the secondary who can cover. So it's going to be interesting. There's going to be guys that that you have to move on from. That's just the nature of the beast. So this offseason is going to be an interesting one. It will be. And some of those guys they move on from will be big names and veteran players because of contracts yeah. and age. And it's, it's the nature of the business. I mean, you played your career. You know, you were with St. Louis. You were with Dallas. And then, fortunately, you landed here in 06 and played the last seven years here. And it was a wonderful time. And uh, you guys succeeded because they drafted 
brilliantly in 06, and they brought in some really good players like yourself and Fujita and Patton, and I could name a few more. They just did a great job of evaluating talent and bringing people together. Of course, they brought in number nine, too. That, that didn't work, so. <laughs> There you go. That's, that's exactly right. Number nine, I promise you, number nine covered up for a lot of mistakes that 58 made and a lot of other people. So it's nice when you got that guy pulling the trigger at that position because, wow, I tell you what. And I'll let you uh, I'll let you get away on this. Just as time goes on, and I said this when he walked away, we'll appreciate him more, but it seems to me that that appreciation grows exponentially because we see now clearly what life looks like after Drew. No question. No, there's no question about it. And I, I think at every game I go to, obviously covering the Saints, I hear people all the time, and you see the Drew Brees jerseys and people saying, man, I don't know if I appreciate number nine enough because you may go your whole lifetime and never see a guy like that. Just like, I'm sure New England Patriots say the same thing about Tom Brady. And the thing that's funny is at the end of Brady's career and the end of Drew's career, you'd start to hear people murmur and say, it's time to move on. He's getting old. And I was hearing that in 2016 with Drew. Uh, you can never underestimate what those guys bring to you, just not even from an athletic performance level. But number nine, I tell you what, he was the greatest leader I've ever been around. I mean, he could inspire anybody to do anything. When he stood up and listened, our entire room – silent immediately silent we listened to everything number nine said because we trusted and believed in him it's a it's a great thing when your best player is also your hardest worker and everybody respected that guy so we were fortunate to play with him yeah i I can't let you go without the national championship game who do you like and how tough is it to to watch these guys in maize and blue tonight man (laughs) it's gonna be uh i think it's gonna be a, a really good game i think michigan can probably run the ball a lot against Washington's defensive line. I thought Texas probably could have ran the ball more. But I think Washington's quarterback, man, I was really impressed. And this is the most I've probably watched of him last week. He can spin that thing. He reminds me a lot of Tua, actually, when he throws that ball. Probably the spin, the way it comes off his hand, and those three receivers. I would not be surprised if it's a 38-35 type game just because of their contrasting styles. But I'm just I'm hoping for a good game. But it would be pretty pretty fun to watch the Washington Huskies hoist a trophy, that's for sure. Great to have him here last week in the All-State Sugar Bowl. Always a pleasure to visit with a Super Bowl champion and a really good person and excellent player, Scott Shanley. Scott, thank you. Keep up the great work. We'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Take care. My pleasure. All right, a brief time out here. When we return, our thoughts on the national championship game as we continue with All Access here on Nash Icon 106.1 FM and at NashFM1061.com. Hi, this is Ken Trahan. The Three Tailgater Show is a Saturday morning tradition on 106.1 Nash Icon. Tune in every Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to noon with my partner Ed Daniels of WGNO and WNOL to join me to talk sports with you every single week with your calls as well. The Three Tailgater Show, Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. to noon on 1061 Nash Icon. Michael Fabiano here, and if you want even more excitement on game day, it's time to get on prize picks, the best way to win big on fantasy sports. Here's how it works. Just pick two to six players and choose more or less on their stats. If you get them right, you can win up to 25 times your cash. It's quick and easy to make your picks. And with fast and safe deposits and withdrawals, Prize Picks is the place to play this season. Prize Picks has awesome weekly promotions, and they're the only daily fantasy platform with an injury insurance policy, keeping you in the game even if one of your players goes down. Watch your entry update in real time and continue the fun by making picks on second half and fourth quarter stats. And right now, when you go to prizepicks.com slash primetime and use code primetime, 
Prize Picks is matching your first deposit up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash primetime with code primetime for a 100% deposit match. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Must be present in certain states. Visit prizepicks.com for details. Hi, this is Racy Cooper, account executive with Cumulus New Orleans. I specialize in growing businesses. And if you want to grow your business, I'm the girl for you. At Cumulus, we have four great radio stations and an amazing selection of digital products to take your business to a new level. Simply call me at 504-919-3379 or email me at racy.cooper at cumulus.com. The consultation is free. Racy and Cumulus Media. Let's grow together. We know life can hit us with the unexpected when losing a loved one. New Orleans Funeral and Cremation Service is here to help. You're never alone. Simple direct cremation for only $1,195. That's right, only $1,195 with no hidden charges or fees. Please give us a call at 504-218-5554 or visit our website at neworleanscremationservice.com. Great service with an exceptional price guarantee. New Orleans Funeral and Cremation Service, celebrating life. Bobby Ebert's Cajun Cannon Restaurant, voted the number one restaurant in Metairie by TripAdvisor. A place where you can enjoy a great meal with family or hanging out with friends watching the game. A mouth-watering menu that has something for everyone. Amazing cocktails and an incredible beer selection. TVs everywhere. You'll never miss a play. Bobby Bear's Cajun Cannon Restaurant is unique. The perfect combination of Louisiana sports culture and authentic Louisiana cuisine. Order online for delivery at BobbyAbears.com. Open seven days a week for lunch and dinner at 4101 Veterans at Lake Villa. Bobby Bear's Cajun Cannon Restaurant. So good. This is where you get all access. Not just the focus on one or two topics. All sports topics are on the table with your calls at all times. Join us now by calling 504-260-1061. Now back to Ken Trahan on 1061 Nash Icon through CrescentCitySports.com and at NashFM1061.com. The national championship game just underway in Houston at NRG Stadium. Michigan and Washington. Michigan gets the ball first, makes a first down, and also runs for about six yards. Uh, My pick? Michigan. I just think Michigan's better up front. I think they'll be able to slow Washington's really good offense down. Look, the only chance Washington has in this game is Michael Penix having a lights-out game. He had a lights-out game in the All-State Sugar Bowl, and they barely won, even though they really control the game. I just think Michigan is better up front on both sides of the ball. In my opinion, maybe the two best teams played last week, but that's not a knock on Washington. They're really good, and Texas is really good, too. But I just think that Michigan's talent is there. They've been on a mission for Jim Harbaugh after the suspension. I think it's definitely been obvious the response they've had, overwhelming response to a coach, just the opposite of what you see with the Saints. And, of course, the speculation will begin about Harbaugh immediately after the game. He's not. He's had many chances to say he's returning to Michigan. He hasn't done it. My guess is he's going to want to go to the NFL my guess is he'll have offers, and my guess is he'll go because of what transpired this year. He was suspended, and there's probably inside knowledge that more might be coming from the NCAA, and I think you kind of compare it and equate it to what transpired with Pete Carroll at USC. He saw what was coming, and rather than stick around and bear the brunt, he skipped to the NFL when he had the opportunity, and he's never gone back. Jim Harbaugh's been in the NFL. He's been to a Super Bowl in New Orleans with San Francisco. No doubt he can coach and coach successfully. 
on the NFL level, he has the right opportunity. Obviously has ties to Chicago. That job opens up. The Chargers are an intriguing job with a very good young quarterback. There will be opportunities in the league. Washington fired its coach today, Ron Rivera. He's gone. Arthur Smith is gone in Atlanta. They're probably a quarterback short of being a pretty good football team. So there's some thoughts there and some opportunities. By the way, the Panthers also fired their GM today. That's a train wreck. I mean, the Panthers. I mean, they hadn't scored a point in two weeks. Give me a break. And somehow you hoped upon hope the Saints would get some help yesterday. They didn't. I told you that Tampa Bay would beat Carolina. Shut them out. Tampa Bay wasn't very good, but they were good enough. The other two games, I mean, Arizona blew the game against Seattle. But Chicago just wasn't good enough to beat Green Bay. And, oh, by the way, I think Justin Fields is probably going to be traded. And I think they will draft Caleb Williams based upon what I saw yesterday. Fields has ability, but he's not consistent enough in my estimation. And I think they'll probably look for value and try to go number one with Williams. That's just a guess. Jaden Daniels is still going to be a first-round pick. The question is where? Saints pick 14th. That's intriguing. My guess is he doesn't last that long. We all know the Saints like to trade up, but would you trade up for a quarterback when you have the investment that you have already? And Derek Carr is not the problem with the Saints. By the way, Michigan is scoring a touchdown already. First possession went right down the field and scored pretty easily. Edwards scores for Michigan, takes it to the house. Touchdown, Michigan, extra point coming. 41-yard run, basically untouched. Real easy for Michigan, and I just think they're, they're too good up front for Washington, and I think we're seeing evidence of that already. I mean, he had a run designed inside. He, he bounced it outside, and there was nobody there, no one. So, and he takes it all the way for the score. So Michigan taking the early lead. Washington's going to have to score a ton of points to have a chance in this game in Houston tonight. And the extra point by Michigan is good, 7 nothing, with 10-14 to play in the first half of the national championship game. Glad you're with us this evening. 504-260-1061. Back with the final segment on the Pelicans. We'll be continuing with all access here on Nash Icon 106.1 FM and at NashFM1061.com. Now, during Staples Print Pig Sale, get $20 off your print purchase of $100 or more, $50 off your print purchase of $200 or more, and $100 off your print purchase of $300 or more. So the more you print at Staples, the more you save. To demonstrate, print, print, print at Staples, you save, save, save. But if you print, 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 print at Staples, you save, 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 save. See how that works. Staples Print Big Sale. Print more, save more, up to $100. Ends 210. Visit staples.com slash print for details. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. With savings at the Home Depot, we'll get your kitchen clicking. With top brand appliances like a GE Profile refrigerator with convenient features like a built-in dual dispense autofill pitcher. Plus, with seamless shopping in-store and online, everything you need for your kitchen is just a click away. 
Get up to $800 off select kitchen appliances from top brands like GE Profile at The Home Depot. Pricing valid January 4th through 24. Gas ranges and dryers extra. U.S. only. See store or online for details. You know that Big Bargain detergent jug is 80% water, right? 80% water? I thought I was getting a better deal because it's so big. If you want a better clean, Tide Pods are only 12% water. The rest is pure, concentrated cleaning ingredients. Ooh, pass me the intercom thingy. Attention shoppers. If you want a real deal, try Tide Pods. Don't pay for water. Pay for clean. If it's got to be clean, it's got to be Tide Pods. Water content based on the Leading Bargain Liquid Detergent. Join Mark Patrick Seminars, Lose the Weight or Stop Smoking. Seminar Monday, January 8th, Holiday Inn, New Orleans, Airport North, and IHG Hotel Kenner. Weight loss, 5.30 p.m. Stop Smoking Seminar, 8 p.m. Registration 30 minutes before seminar. Information, markpatrickseminars.com. What does it mean to be New Orleans' very own? It's about being raised in your city, reporting on your concerns, sharing stories from neighborhoods where you grew up, on falling down, getting back up. It's shining light on tough issues, doing something about it to move New Orleans forward. It's not easy as we fight your fight, serving the community we love, making sure our viewers know they are and we are New Orleans' very own. Catch WGNO News at 5, 6, and 10. New Orleans' very own. For 54 years, privateer student-athletes have proudly worn New Orleans across their chests. Join NOLA's team today. We are your crew. To learn more about New Orleans athletics and how to join our crew, go to UNOPrivateers.com. Always welcoming intelligent points of view, whether we agree or disagree. Let's have meaningful, constructive dialogue on All Access with Ken Trahan on 106.1 FM Nash Icon at NashFM1061.com and through CrescentCitySports.com. Give us a call, 504-260-1061. New Orleans Pelicans open their five-game road trip, maybe the toughest of the season, in brilliant fashion. They destroyed the Kings 133-100, to and the game wasn't even that close in Sacramento last night. They led by 50 points in this game and just played great. Now, the Kings are very talented, but they're not that proficient on the defensive end of the floor. The Pelicans have scored uh, 126.5 points in four wins in as many games over the Kings this year. They didn't have Zion Williamson. Didn't have Jose Alvarado, and it didn't matter. You hope you get both back. Alvarado's illness, Williamson with the right leg contusion, day-to-day, hopefully, he's able to return. Pelicans crushed the Kings on the boards, beat them in the paint, beat them in fast break points, and they just continue the barrage throughout. C.J. McCollum, 30 points, 7 of 10 from three-point range, Jonas Valanciunas, a double-double, 15 points, 12 rebounds. The Pelicans shot 61% from the field and 54% from three-point range and won the boards 51-25, 19-6 in fast break points and defended extremely well. De'Aaron Fox, one of the better offensive players in the league, was held to just three points on one of ten shooting from the field. Pelicans' length and their excellent help in switching defense played a great role in this game. These two teams will play a fifth time, which is a rarity on April 11th in Sacramento. The reason for that, the play-in tournament this year where the two had to play in that event. Pelicans off before facing Golden State Wednesday night. And Draymond Green looks like he'll return. So it'll be an emotional lift for the Warriors. The Pelicans will have to be sharp as they continue this five-game road trip. I want to thank Scott Shanley for joining us tonight. We always thank you for listening. Thanks to Rudy Dixon. 
for producing. Too young at you tomorrow night. Until then, Ken Trahan saying thanks for joining us. Be a good sport and God bless you one and all. We are rounding third and heading home. So long. Thanks for listening to All Access on 106.1 FM Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. Presented by CrescentCitySports.com. The best prep sports site in Louisiana with the state's best prep football scoreboard. All Access was also presented by the All-State Sugar Bowl, representing the best of amateur athletics.